Welcome everybody, I'm Richard Krauss. I hope that you're staying healthy, happy, and safe. It's a big show, so let's get right at it. Now, if you're like me, I'm sure that you like to scroll through Twitter and you get past all the cat videos and all the bad news and you're looking for laughs. If you are like that, I'm sure that you already know about my guest today. The Toronto Sun called him Canada's funniest comic and his videos, parody songs, and commentary frequently grab hundreds of thousands of likes and views on Twitter. Online, he's known as Brittle Star. In life, his pals call him Stuart Reynolds. In this conversation, we talk about his new brand of booze, and boy, that's how you know when you've made it, when you have your own brand of booze to talk about on the radio. It's called Sex and Gold Butter Tart Flavored Vodka. You'll find out why it's called that and much, much more. Here's Stuart Reynolds via Zoom from his home in Stratford, Ontario. I have to ask you uh, about sex and gold butter tart flavored vodka. It's two things that people like, the sex and the gold. Uh, ACDC is about to release their own uh, beer. And so is that what inspired you to get your own vodka? There's not many things that ACDC does that I don't try to immediately copy. So, yeah, no, actually, I wasn't even aware of ACDC, but that's fantastic. You know what it was, actually, it was that uh, this past year I've been uh, I was sent a case of uh, Ryan Reynolds's aviation gin. Mm. And I was like, that's smug jerk. Like, how <laughs> dare he go off like that? And uh, I thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And so I contacted the, a distillery here in town and asked them if they'd be interested in working with me. And that was back in January. And it's been like a whole process. But it's it's turned out great, like really great. All right. Well, we'll talk about what it tastes like in a sec, but how do you get to that point? Like, do you go and sit through tastings? What happens? How do you put together a new flavor of booze and come up with something that could not be any more uniquely Canadian, the butter tart flavored vodka? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it starts with an idea, the sort of notion of like wanting to do something, first of all. And when I went to the, to the distillery, I said, you know, Maybe we could do like a, a butter tart whiskey and they're like, it'll take three years for whiskey. And I was like, okay, let's not do that. Right. It takes way too long. Uh, how fast is vodka? And they said a day. And I said, perfect. <laughs> Sounds excellent. And so they, uh, I, started, I like your high quality, your high standards of quality. <laughs> exactly, exactly. A day. Perfect. <laughs> exactly. That's the one we want. Um, no one's got time to wait three years. Um, so you know, it's going with them with an idea and saying, I kind of want it to be this, but I don't. And I just basically explained to the the guys at the distillery, I don't want to have something that's a liqueur. I don't want to have something that's too sweet. Right. But I want to have that balance of like, you know, the, the butter tart sugars and, and the sort of butterscotch caramelly taste along with the pastry taste as well. Um, and uh, and they they somehow like it, we went through tastings from January right through until uh, June. Uh, and then um that's a lot of vodka to taste, by the way. It is, and uh, but it turned out amazing. Like I said, like it's they've somehow been able to do it, and and uh, yeah, somehow. So we don't know the process. They're not <laughs> no, dissolving it's, butter tarts. Exactly, <laughs> it's big it's, vats it's, of vodka. They actually discussed that because what the, the whole thing about about Junction Fifty Six is they they try to use local and organic ingredients all the time, and so there was talk of melting down butter tarts, and they realized that was slightly impractical. So. Right. Uh, but they've done it with uh, it's it's a corn based vodka with a hint of wheat, and uh, then there's like things like the molasses and all that kind of stuff that kind of make it give it that butter tart taste. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a weird thing to do, and it, it requires a certain amount of ego to say, "Hey, I would like to make a, a booze that's mine." You need to have a huge ego for that, and luckily I do, so that it all worked out. Well, I've always wanted to be on a on a beer label, 
I think mm. that I would be perfect on a beer label and uh, Flying Monkeys Beer. Yeah. Uh, they have these wild labels and the artist that does them is a guy called Bruce Chalmers and he posted a, a painting that he had did. And he said, did you see yourself in the painting? And I said, I did not. I'm about in, you know, a half an inch tall in the back of it, but it's very definitely me. So I'm my fingers Fantastic. crossed that ends up on a beer label. Well, listen, there's nothing stopping you. I could go for a real nice Krause CPA or something like that. That's really right. Good. That's what yeah. it would be, too. Yeah. And and so where can people find Sex and Gold Butter Tart Flavored Vodka? So they can find it currently at sexandgold.ca. It'll direct them to. Right now, we're operating off a list. We did a, a, a release of it uh, to our pre-sort of people could sign up to be notified when it went on sale for the first time right. for the first batch. There was 500 bottles and it sold out in six hours. Wow. And then there's another batch of 1,000 bottles coming and that'll probably go not quite as quickly, but almost as quickly, which is great. And then once that happens, then it goes to the main distillery site, uh, so Junction 56's uh, site themselves. And then from there, hopefully the LCBO and other liquor stores and all that kind of stuff. So, And the name, Sex and Gold? Mm -hmm. I mean, so when that... I think of you... <laughs> That's immediately what you think of. Those are two words that pop into my head. Immediately. <laughs> So that started with uh, back in 2017, I did a video called Explaining Canada Day to Americans. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the lines when it, I was explaining to my American neighbor, you know, various things that Canada has that are great. And one of them was butter tarts. And I said, if you put sex and gold in a blender, you get a butter tart. And it kind of stuck. And right. it's been a, a line that's kind of stuck with me for a while. And then when we were deciding to do this uh, vodka line, we were like, well, this seemed like the obvious choice. Sex and gold is great. And then we eventually decided that might be a bit too brazen just saying sex and gold on the on the label <laughs> on the front. So we changed it to S and G's to be a little more discreet mm, that way. Right. And is there a costume that you'll wear at the product launch or something? <laughs> I suspect after enough S&G butter tart vodkas, there's not much anything I won't wear. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to my interview with Stuart Reynolds, a.k.a. at Brittlestar on Twitter. You have so much going on now. I've known you for a number of years now, and you have... Uh, always been a very strong presence on social media. You've got loads of followers. You have kindly amplified a lot of my posts and things. And it's amazing uh, what a retweet from you will do uh, <laughs> versus, you know, as I, I struggle to be heard through the noise. But there's, there's all that. But lately, it seems that every time uh, I go online or every time I pick up the Toronto Sun, you're in that. You have <laughs> a new vodka coming out. There's a television show that's in the works. There's all mm -hmm. sorts of things happening. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, creating, uh, let's start with the online world, of creating that much content mm -hmm. and and what drives you to do it. Because it's tough. Uh, you know, when it you is. hear about... Uh, creators, online creators, um, it, it's not enough to do one television show a week. No. You've got to do one television show essentially a day, if not more. Mm. And so tell me a little bit about the pressure that comes along with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's the old uh, saying that, you know, the idea that if Coca-Cola stopped advertising for a day, their sales would drop 10%, even though everyone knows Coca-Cola. And it's kind of that sort of profile uh, C that you're kind of constantly battling against. So the idea being that, um, you know, there is a lot of noise out there. And if you want to create something, you kind of have to be in people's faces as much as you can, because mm -hmm. there, there's just there's zero way for you to oversaturate social media you just it's almost impossible <laughs> to do it uh, there's still people who come to me and say Are you still making videos and it's like yes i made four last week you know, yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah. um but i think you know it's it's 
one of the things that probably drives me is probably a, uh, you know, acute awareness of my own mortality. Probably <laughs> <laughs> that idea of like, just, this is my opportunity to go. I mean, I started doing social media when I was 43. Right. So it was like a second chance opportunity for me to do something. And it was like, okay, great. I'm just going to take this and do it. But I think and the it wasn't thing- that much social media 30 years no, ago. So I- it's- <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was 25. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, I think that, you know, for anyone going into it, you're right. I get a lot of people saying, I want to start creating social media. I would love to do what you're doing and be a content creator or whatever. And it's like, well, it's it's a thing. It's an actual mm-hmm. job. You can't just kind of like kind of do it. Yeah. There are friends who are incredibly talented actors and such, and and they, they want to kind of do what I'm doing, but they're not really into it and they don't really do very much. And it's like, well, that's not going to get you anywhere. Because like you're basically sort of saying, I want to do this entirely full-time second job as well as my existing full-time second or full-time job. And it's really hard. Um I think one of the things that saves us is, you know, especially it was it was demonstrated during the pandemic was that I do a lot of work from home anyway. Mm-hmm. So I have the means of production are, are ready to go. Like the machine is ready to turn on at any time. So I can react quickly to things and I can make videos, you know, within hours of something happening. I can just like flip the lights on, do the cameras and I can edit and I'm done and I push it out and it's out. And it's ready to go. And I think that's really, really key is that you just have to be able to capitalize on this idea that even if you just have a phone, you, you can make content, but you have to try to, you, know, you have to, it's a lot of work. You have to keep doing it. You've had uh, cool videos that always have a sense of humor about them. They always have a message or frequently have a message to them. The anti-flusher one comes up. I mean, it's a <laughs> metaphor. Should you want to find it? Um, so do you get pushback from people online? And if so, do you just have to have a thick skin or do you have a million people blocked on Twitter? I don't, I don't generally block people. I think mm. uh, sometimes I feel like, I mean, I, I understand why people block people. Cause it's not, if someone's getting really, really horrible or being terrible to you and that does happen, then you, then you have to block them. Yeah. Um, but I always feel like for me, it's like, it's, you know, a blocking is like an acknowledgement. Uh, right. and it's You're like, right. it's, I'm just feeding them anyway. And uh, it's like, I don't really care. And I think that's, it's not even so much about having a thick skin. I, I equate it to being like in a, in a bar and uh, a busy bar. And there's, you know, there's a bunch of really annoying people in the bar amongst, as well as your friends and the people you want to hang out with. And, uh, you know, you could spend your time arguing with the idiots in the corner, the bad guys in the mm-hmm. corner, whatever. Or you can just be like, yeah, whatever, dude. And just move to the other side of the right. bar. It's like, you don't have to dance with these people. And I think that's really key. I mean, I see some, uh, you know, online social media comedians who do some stuff that's sort of similar to mine and, and even on their own stuff. And they will just pick, they will just like get into fights with everybody all the time. It's exhausting. There's no need for that kind of stuff. And like, who cares? I think I'm a, someone told me this amazing quote and you probably know the quote better than I will, but it was uh, Muhammad Ali saying that, you know, uh, the every dog might bark at the moon but when the when the whatever dog the moon barks back at will be the most famous <laughs> dog in the world and, and, and it's that's to me it's like anyways that's also part of my ego as well it's kind of like i'm not gonna i'm yeah. not gonna honor your tweet or your response with a response because for me because it's not worth it for me i'm not getting anything out of it yeah i think that's key um so i do get some blowback i do get some pushback but at the same time i don't care i mean it's you know if i'm if i'm genuinely in the wrong uh, then I'm happy to hear reasons I'm in the wrong and to fix right. that if I can. But if it's just like, if it's like anti-vaxxers or anti-maskers or people like that, it's like people who don't understand that we're in the middle of a global, like a historic global event, then it's like, I can't help those people. So what, why bother? Who cares? I will mute people on Twitter. Yeah. I yeah. love mute because I find that it doesn't 
prevent them from tweeting. It's either yeah. tweeting at me. I just will never see it. And I just love the the image of them screaming into the void. Exactly. Yeah. It's like an element that's even a little more crueler than blocking just yeah. muting someone, isn't it? It's like just I'm you're gonna let you stay and keep doing what you're doing and yeah. you'll think that I'm seeing it, but I'm just not going to. Yeah. And they will never get the satisfaction of tweeting the screenshot where it says, you know, Brittle Star or Richard Krause has blocked you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's exact. Don't need, they don't give them that. Who cares? <laughs> and uh, the, the videos that you uh, are doing, they've been getting so much attention. Um, is it different than it was a couple of years ago? It feels like, and I, you know, this sounds crass, but the pandemic has been good to you. <laughs> <laughs> I had someone when uh, when Trump lost the election and he did lose the election, just to clarify for your listeners, mm. um, when Trump lost the election, uh, in you November, better get that block button ready. Now. <laughs> <laughs> he said uh, uh, I, I was at the liquor store and a guy who was serving me said to me, uh, well, what are you going to do now that Trump's gone? And I said, well, thank God for the pandemic. <laughs> and uh, he just was shocked that I had say this. But uh, of course, I was kidding. But I mean, you're right. I mean, the thing is, with the pandemic. You know, prior to the pandemic, we were taking our phones into the real world and 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 taking social media into the real world. And then when the pandemic hit, lockdowns hit, social media and our phones became the world. That was basically yeah. it. So it was a little bit of a captive audience idea. And what was really interesting to me is that, you know, leading up to the pandemic, we've had less and less shared experiences. We have, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like like concerts and that kind of thing are, are shared experiences. Yep, movies. Uh, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, we've got this thing where everyone and almost everyone in the world is experiencing the same kind of things. It's like that's a massive shared experience. And then for someone like me who's a creator who's able to like trying to tap into Zeitgeist, zeitgeist or, or headlines or whatever, I can speak to that. And people be like, yeah, that's me. I mean, that's always the, the key to viral. And I'm air quoting that viral content on social media is that you're trying to create something that someone can say, that's just that's me. That's so mm -hmm. me. And it gets easier when everyone's experiencing the same thing. <laughs> well, I found at the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, I did 40 episodes of a show I called In Isolation With, and it yeah. was a Zoom talk show. Yeah. And I had everyone from Rob Bryden uh, in England to Steve Earle in Tennessee to mm -hmm. uh, Joe Pantaleone from, uh, he was in New Jersey when we did that interview. People from all over the place. Uh, and the great thing that came out of that was that it was a shared experience. This was at mm -hmm. the very beginning as things were still confusing and we weren't really sure what was happening. And and everyone world over, no matter where I spoke to them from, was having exactly the same experience. We don't yeah. know. We're staying home. Boy, is this weird. We have to order everything in. And yeah. I, I thought it was a really cool way of connecting with people without actually making a connection of, of showing, you know, creating some sort of empathy. You know, we are all out there doing this together and look, England, mm -hmm. the U S all over the place where I, I had people from all over the world. And, uh, and, and I thought it worked well. It wasn't my initial plan to be honest, but that's the theme that, that yes. was generated over the course of the episodes. You're listening to my interview with Stuart Reynolds, AKA Brittle Star on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to avoid that theme over the past year for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that people just got into the, you know, uh, that I, that whole thing of like, you're all experiencing the same thing. We all hate lockdowns. We all hate wearing the mask. We all don't want to get a needle, but we will get a needle if we get out of this yeah. um, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I mean, I hope there's so many things that have happened. I mean, uh, 
you know, not to dismiss and not dismissing any of the horrible things that happened with the pandemic, but there are so many things that have transpired and forced opportunities that have been turned into good things during the pandemic that I really hope continue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even little, really sort of sort of simple things like here in uh, Stratford where I am, uh, there's uh, they built boardwalks so that the the restaurants could have full use of the of sidewalk for patios. Um, so now that you the sidewalk has this lovely bend out into the road and traffic slowed down. There's umbrellas that looks lovely, looks amazing, and it's like we should just be doing that all the time. That's a yeah. great idea. Let's just do that, you know. So I'm hoping some of the stuff sticks. I don't know if it will or not. But I'm hoping I, you, some of it will. I, and you know what? I don't either because I I thought initially that everything uh, would stick, that things would change. Mm. I mean, this has been a wild year and a half and and mm-hmm. something unlike anything that anyone unless you're over 100 years old and lived during the 1918 yeah. uh pandemic uh have experienced before uh and then i went out for a walk on sunday when everything was open and i just it's back to normal again it's back yeah i yeah. know uh, i mean i think it'll take a little bit for a lot of us to kind of on ramp back into regular life yeah. as such but uh yeah there's it's I mean, there's not as much social solidarity as, as I would like yet still. <laughs> well, perhaps there will be social uh, solidarity around the television show uh, that is coming. So this is based on something that you wrote a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. And this is just, I, again, one of these things that's happened during the pandemic uh, for you that's been incredible. <laughs> It's like it goes. You're making me sound very impressive. It yeah. sounds like uh, you know people would say at the beginning of the pandemic. Well, Shakespeare wrote King Lear during. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, yeah. Is that, Newton is that all came he up did? with one of his yeah. theories. Yeah, yeah. So my response to that is: that, Is that all he did? Yeah. Just one play? <laughs> How many videos I've done? Um, but uh, yeah, no. I wrote this uh, thing called 1950 Now back in 2018. It's a short story, and it's an, essentially to sum it up, it's an, an apocalyptic breakfast club is basically what it is. Um, and, uh, the company Pixcom, uh, ended up, uh, optioning it to turn into a TV series. So that's all happening now. There's a showrunner attached and, uh, and she's amazing Felicia, Felicia Brooker. And she's done amazing things with the story and sort of stretched it out in ways that I, I wouldn't have been able to do. Right. And, um, yeah, so it's exciting, but I mean, you know, television's a weird, weird industry compared to social media. When I think of something, I just make it. Right. <laughs> Whereas television involves lots of people and a million steps. So I said I had a meeting with uh, with the amazing people at Pixcom in Montreal, and I said, uh, uh, you know, I'm 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 enthusiastic, and I apologize if I get annoying. And they said, Oh no, you you haven't been annoying at all. And I said, No, I I, I apologize in advance yeah. for being yeah. annoying. <laughs> I haven't even made it to annoying yet. Yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten started. Well, but they are very much different. I mean, I'm I'm very much rooted in old media. You know, mm-hmm. I worked in and radio is much more immediate. Uh, but my work on television, you know, it takes an army of people to make yeah. it happen and yeah. years uh, of planning to get a show on the air and that kind yeah. of thing. Whereas in the last year and a half, when I have uh, been much more self-creating, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 content that I'm making, and I'm straddling both worlds and sure. between television and social media, but it is cool to be able to make something uh, at one o'clock and have it online at Absolutely. four o'clock and yeah. see the, the the counter start clicking and see people enjoying yeah. it and reacting to it straight away and thinking that was just an idea that I had at noon. I know. I, I mean, I love that aspect of it. That's one of the things I loved about social media content creation since the start is that notion that everyone is kind of their own little TV studio, their own little TV network, and you can kind of just like do stuff. Um, and 
obviously, you know, the videos that I make are not that like I did a video about Freedom Day that I made yesterday, edited last night and posted today. Um, and it was a script that I wrote yesterday morning as well. And that's really great to put it out there. But it's obviously I'm playing the bartender and myself. And it's obviously <laughs> not the same production level or quality as an actual TV show. Um, but at the same time, I mean, they're different. They serve different purposes. Uh, we are in conversation here talking about how to make your voice heard over the noise of social media. Everyone's got a podcast. Everyone's got videos and things that they're posting on Twitter. How do you make yourself heard? This is what Stuart had to say. I mean, I've been really fortunate. Like it's been our full-time gig for the past almost nine years supported a family of four which is awesome and uh you know it's it's ridiculous that i i mean i started at middle age and i'm i'm even more middle age now and uh it's it's weird that you know you could for a living i get up and be i'm gonna write it i'm gonna write a story and i'm yeah. gonna film it and i'm gonna edit it and i'm gonna post it and people are gonna like it and i'm gonna get money for it um which is ridiculous but i'm i'm very you know grateful for that but i think that you know there's like a weird aspiration. I think I've been fortunate and um, I'm not really religious, but I'll say blessed with, uh, hashtag uh, blessed, hashtag yeah. blessed with yes. exactly with, uh, this sort of weird aspirational quality about uh, when people see me on camera filming one time in Vancouver, uh, I was working with uh, two other guys who were co-directing with me, this, this pilot thing we were doing. And as I was doing my scene, I overheard one of them say during playback of the scene that I was in, he's just funny to look at, isn't he? <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's that sort of thing. <laughs> and it's like, well, I should capitalize on that. And then like to take it even further, I had a meeting with uh, this agency in LA about, this is about maybe coming up on five months ago now. And um, they said to me in the meeting, it was, it was two guys in meeting with me. And they were basically like sort of like looking to package me into some sort of, I don't know, 30 minutes special on Netflix right. or something like that. And uh, they they said to me, well, you know, the thing is, you're no Brad Pitt. No, you're no Brad Pitt. I was like, well, okay, fair enough. And then continued from there to say, no one should want what you're offering, but for some reason they do. Wow. I was like, wow. And Hollywood they say is... you never have a bad meeting in, in show <laughs> business in LA. Uh, Hollywood is brutal. Um, and, uh, but I mean, I think there's like that weird aspirational quality I have. And I think it speaks to the fact, like when you look in, especially working in social, I'm very aware of my demographics and who's the audience mm. watching and, and where they're watching from. And there's this weird peak at 18 to 24 year olds. And then there's kind of a gully and then it picks back up near 40 and upwards from there. So the 18 to 24 year olds, I think are looking at me going, Hey, that guy's old. I hope to be old like him someday and having right. fun and being an idiot. Cause I'm an idiot too. And then I think that there's the older crowd who are like, Hey, he's old like me and he's still having fun. I'd like to do that. <laughs> so there's like this weird aspirational, you know, quality to what I'm doing. And I, and I mean, if I can capitalize on, on that, that'd be great. It's just the 30-year-olds that hate your guts. They absolutely can't stand me. I represent mortality to them. <laughs> well, let's talk about the podcast, which I have not yet been invited to be part of, but it's called <laughs> Canada Last Week with Brittle Star, and uh, you can find it on Spotify, uh, on Apple, wherever you, where, essentially wherever podcasts exist. I've been told by a couple of people in a company that I work with who were like, you need, <laughs> well, it's actually a company in LA, funny enough, who are, are much nicer to me. No one's going to want to listen to your voice, but you have a exactly. You have the perfect face <laughs> for a podcast. Um, but uh, they actually said to me, you should do like a a, a longer format or, or a compendium style sort of, you know, format of something. 
because uh, it would suit you well and you could use some of your videos and, and a lot of radio stations have been playing the audio for my videos and um, they're like, you should do something like that. And I was like, great. And I found this niche in there's like a, a, a bit of a hole in the market for podcasts about, you know, satirical Canadian news, which is honestly weird that there is because we're so good at doing that in television and such. Well, right? And our rock stars are mm -hmm. politicians. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like yeah. our, the, the most yeah. famous people in the country are politicians. Absolutely. And actors. Yeah. And so you would think that this would be ripe. But, you know, Rick Mercer just retired. Yes. <laughs> I guess I know. this hour is 22 minutes is off for out of production. I don't well, know. Well, I know. And I, I mean, I mean, this is, again, the benefit of being in social and being having the means of production is that I, I know I can react really quick, faster than a lot of those people can because right. they have a team of people that have to be involved. And it shows in a lot of their content. It's really good. But anyway, so I found this niche and, and sort of said it was, you know, kind of about Canadian events and some politics, a lot of politics stuff. And the Los Angeles company said to me, no, no, no. We said, do something to make money instead. Uh, and I was like, well, I'm just going to make a podcast and, and we'll do that. You're listening to my interview with Stuart Reynolds, a.k.a. Brittle Star on Twitter. It's basically like a, a very, you know, CBC-ish sort of dry delivery. It's like Peter Mansbridge was actually funny. Uh, it's kind of like that. Um, and, uh, it's, it's been really fun. I mean, this is the third episode goes out this weekend and it's numbered, it was number 15 in comedy, which is good. Um, so it's getting traction. It's getting listen, listens. I've had Jane Sharp on, who's a comedian and presenter in the UK, Rex who, Chapman. Yeah, who thought Alberta was in the United <clears throat> yes. States. Well, yeah. that's the key because the, the first question, well, I have these guests on as an, as part of this unrelated expert segment where, and it's kind of an homage to which you may remember. There's a guy named Guy Goma, uh, in who went for a job in it at the BBC, about 10 years ago. And he showed up in wait in the waiting room and his name's Guy Goma. And, uh, the person came out and said, are you Guy? And he said, I am. And they led him on set, mic'd him up. And then they thought he was a guy named Guy Cuny. <laughs> who was there to talk about Apple Music's uh, foray into music, you know, and Apple Records and wow. stuff. So that's it's you can see this video online. There's a transcript online. It's really short. But this guy is the nicest guy. Guy Goma is the sweetest guy in the world. He tried earnestly to answer these questions <laughs> about copyright, trademark, Apple Music. And he's just and he's like, yeah, it's something else, isn't it? And he's just being really sweet. But it's kind of based on the idea of like getting, you know, a guest in who doesn't really have any connection to the topic right. and whatever. So I'll just spring topics on people. And the first one was Jane Sharp from the UK. And the question was, what exactly is the Calgary Stampede? And she was like, uh, something to do with cows? Was like, she'd never heard of it in her life. Uh, Rex Chapman I had on last week. He's a big social media and former NBAer. And he did. Uh, uh, he was amazing. Talks. He's so funny. Man. Listen, and, and I'd never heard of him before. I'm not a sports guy, so I didn't know who he was. I'm now oh, following yeah. him on oh, Twitter and yeah. it's a time suck. His Twitter feed yep. is a time suck. He's one of those guys who's got the magic touch and just knows what's good, what's really great to share. And he's really funny and incredibly nice and does lots of amazing good things. Um, and, and talked about porta potties with you for quite Ottawa. some time. Yeah, there's yeah. a porta potty issue in Ottawa, and he had no idea we were talking about that. He just launched into that. Uh, <laughs> and then this week, um, we've got uh, John Cryer is doing it this week, wow. and uh, so he's talking. I don't. Maybe I shouldn't reveal. It doesn't matter. I can. I can reveal. It doesn't matter. But he's talking about uh, professional soccer in Saskatchewan. So that'll be. <laughs> I just. I just like the idea of taking these foreigners and like subjecting them to Canadian news, which is and, fantastic. And and how did you uh, attach yourself to John Cryer? Uh, well, John's been following me for a little while, and uh, he's, um, he's messages that he's a fan of the videos, which is really flattering. And uh, 
and then I just DM'd him and I was like, would you do this? He was like, yeah, sounds fun. Let's do it on a Tuesday. It's like, great. That's hilarious. Which wow. is really funny. And then I was telling him, you were speaking about the Toronto Sun profile earlier. And I said to him, I, I often get asked in interviews about, uh, you know, which celebrities have I interacted with and, and online and stuff. And, and, you know, the only two I could think of in the moment that I got asked that question just popped to my head. And I said to John yesterday, I was like, I don't know what this means psych like psychologically and what this means about your brand. I said, but just take this as it is. But they said, which two celebrities, wouldn't you name a couple celebrities that have interacted with you that's been really cool? And I said, oh, uh, John Cryer and Dave Batista. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and then I, as soon as I said Dave Batista's name, I was like, He's like retweeted one video of mine. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I said Dave Batista. Like, how did I bunch those two together? I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's the bald head. That was Stuart Reynolds, a.k.a. Brittle Star. Find him on Twitter at Brittle Star. Lots of fun to talk to. And I guarantee you, you will love his Twitter account. Loads of fun. Here's the pluggy part of the show. If you want to check out any of Stuart's merchandise, uh, there's a couple of different ways to do it. Go to peacelovecanada.ca peace like the peace sign lovecanada.ca and you'll find his very successful line of t-shirts and hoodies and stickers and all sorts of stuff there and if you're interested in finding out about sex and gold vodka that's the SNG uh, butter tart flavored vodka by Brittle Star and Junction 56 uh, Distillery um, they'll send you emails about when and where you can buy the vodka uh, and you will go to sexandgold.ca to find out all about that. It's a treat for your taste buds and it'll look great on your bar shelf. Singer, actor and all-round nice person Shelley Hamilton joins me to talk about her new music, making music videos during COVID and her new habit of writing at least one letter a week to a friend or a stranger, a process that she details in her new podcast, Mother Love. But why did she start doing it? Well, I started doing it uh, well before the pandemic. I did it as a resolution for myself, not as a re resolution, but I wanted to change it up and get back to something that I enjoy. And creatively, one of the first things I did was writing when I was a little girl. I used to be pen pals to friends of mine in Nova Scotia. And I just thought during this time, we we need to have that sense of really connecting and that someone thought of us. Mm -hmm. And what a wonderful way to feel like your day is made is when you open a letter. Like of all things to get in this day and age, you get a letter that someone thought to take a pen in hand, right. send it in a post office and put a stamp on it. I just thought, wow, what a great thing to do. So I started doing that in January just to connect with people I hadn't spoken to in a while in a letter. And then the pandemic hit. And then it became a whole completely different way of connecting. Then it became outreach. Then it became love. Then it became, are you okay? Then it became surprise. I hope this makes your day when we really all have been feeling so terrible. And I went from just writing just to people that I knew to people that I didn't know. I wrote to a stranger in my neighborhood because they just moved in and maybe didn't know anybody. And I wanted them to know, hey, here's your neighbor. And even though we can't see each other, I want to welcome you to the neighborhood. I sent a letter to a, a person that was connected to me uh, through another friend of mine because I'd written her a letter. And this person was going through cancer. So I wrote her a letter to let her know that I'm thinking of her. And as a cancer survivor, I know what that feels like to have that letter of connection. I, I wrote to people that other people had told me about that were going through hard times and they needed to feel like someone thought of them. And the last thing they would do is have someone 
speak to them about their sadness. So I wrote them a letter to say, I want you to know how valuable you are and that I know you've given to others and I'm a stranger giving to you and sending you love. It's the last thing anyone's expecting is to hear someone say, I see you and I hear you. And especially during this time, it meant more than ever that I sent these letters to people. My mother-in-law, who just recently passed, was in long-term care. And I wrote letters to a lot of the caregivers that didn't know me, but I knew what they had done for her. Mm -hmm. And I knew what they were doing for others. There just seems to be right now a sense of us needing to remember, even though we're coming out of the curve, that we are still in it. And there are still people that are dealing with the pain and the loss of this. And I know for myself personally, I've been feeling a lot of loss ever since the massacres in Nova Scotia. And that was another area I hit. I wrote so many letters to people in Nova Scotia when that happened, because my pain and my loss was with that province. And I wanted them to know I was with them. And I still am. I'm still feeling the pain of that. And there's a lot of that going on right now. So we're going through such a crazy evolution during this pandemic. And there are a lot of emotions that everyone's going through. And I just felt like as a writer, it was really good to connect and let people know that I was there for them in that way. And that maybe they could write a letter to someone else and pass it forward. Right. One of the best things I've heard is people saying they started writing letters and I've gotten letters back like from all over the world. And that, that has meant so much to me. It's not what I expected. It's not what I was asking for. It's just to put it out there, but to receive it back is what I've been given. And it's beautiful. You're listening to my interview with Shelly Hamilton. Find out more about her at ShellyHamilton.ca. And you've turned it into a podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. It ended up that I couldn't let it go. I, I just kept writing. I kept writing. I kept connecting with people. The media was contacting me and saying, this is so beautiful that you found a way to connect with people. And then I thought, I still need to do this in a larger way. We're still going through this. And I started writing the letters and also reading them as a podcast. And it was a small way to connect with different people at different times. My most recent one was to students saying, good on you. Look what you did this year. Bravo. I see you. I see you parents. I see you teachers. Bravo to you. Uh, the other one before that was a letter to my mother-in-law when she passed, I wanted to be able to have a way to say goodbye to her because during COVID, we're so limited on how we can say goodbye. So my letter to her was a homage to her about the whole process of dealing with her during, through all of this, dealing with her. And I say that in a strange way, but I dealt with her in love. I dealt with everything that we had to go through. I dealt with it all in love. There was no way to think about it as hardship. I thought about it as love, caring for her during through this. And so I wanted to write a letter to her because I knew when she passed, she could hear me. And I wanted others to hear how I felt through that process. So some of the stuff has been raw. It's been honest. Some of it's just been reflective. And it's just to be able to have a moment if anyone else wants to say, yeah, I've been kind of feeling like that. Here I am just talking about what we're feeling. And it's and where, just where can people find the podcast? They can find it right now on SoundCloud and they can just look me up on Mother Love. And if they want to find the letters, they can also read them on Instagram and on Twitter. But if they want to listen to what I'm saying, it's always best to go to the SoundCloud and listen to me there. Go to the source. Well, you've been busy. I mean, you, you wrote me an email the other day. Uh, and I'm just trying to stay in touch, Richard. You're just oh, so I know. lovely. I Absolutely. love you. 
Absolutely. And, and I was thrilled to get it. And, uh, but there's so much, I mean, during the pandemic, people, uh, have, have gone a couple of different ways. I've noticed people have either withdrawn a little bit and just said, you know what, I'm going to take this time as a moment for reflection. Some people have said, I'm going to take this time as a moment of reflection, but I'm also going to create things. So the letters, the podcast, uh, you've been nominated for a couple of awards, the Canadian folk music award for songwriting, uh, with the Afro Métis nation, uh, the album Constitution. Uh, there's a lot uh, going on there. Uh, you've made four videos and produced and recorded four videos. So tell me a little bit about making music uh, when you can't be with other people. It was crazy. Uh, and it still is crazy. Um, the uncertainty of what's going on with us in the industry is just so odd. You're just trying to work around what mm -hmm. you can work around and do what you can do despite what you can't do. So when it came to the videos, that was crazy. How do I create videos immediately when I'm feeling the energy to put this message out there when I can't get together with anybody? So it was uh, very spontaneous. Uh, when I did the first video, it was a recording I did the last gig I did prior to the pandemic hitting us. So a week afterwards, I had... Uh, you know, not, nothing to do, sitting in my house and realizing I can't go anywhere, do anything. Yeah. And the last gig, we just happened to record raw footage on the floor because we're new band, new gig. I wanted to see how we're sounding. And that was the first one. It was a raw video on the floor that we just recorded and produced because the message was stay strong. Mm -hmm. The message of the song was the title of the strong song. And if we needed a message to stay strong, it was that time. So I just like, you know what, we're just going to do this long distance. So I had my video editor take all the video footage, edit it uh, long distance. And he sent me messages back and forth. So I did the editing back and forth. I did the mastering back and forth with the master and did all of these things just by emails and phone calls. That was Shelly Hamilton. She's so much fun to talk to, and our conversation went on for a very long time. So I'm going to have her back uh, in a couple of weeks, and we'll play you some more of our conversation. Find out more about what Shelly has going on right now at ShellyHamilton.ca. So big thanks to Shelly. Big thanks to Brittlestar. Check him out on Twitter, at Brittlestar. Of course, my biggest thanks goes to you for listening. I'm Richard Krause. Stay healthy, stay happy, stay safe. And we'll talk again soon.